And I would have had Allison come and stand alongside of Justin, but she's out working uh, the Chrysalis, the girls' Chrysalis walk this weekend. And uh, she and several other adults in our church, women and, and even some of the husbands who are working out there in the kitchen are out there uh, this weekend. And several of our girls, several of our students are on the walk uh, this weekend. So it's, it's a great time and uh, we're excited for what God's going to work in them. Uh, I want to mention something before we jump into the message that you saw in the announcement video, and that is about our Women's Weekend that's coming up. I know we've kind of mentioned it a lot and, and talked about it. I think we've got the largest uh, group of women we've ever had signed up to come, which I'm really excited about that. And in all the years we've been doing this, and I'm not just saying this because I'm supposed to, like I'm a paid spokesperson, but I really feel as if this is going to be the most impactful uh, women's weekend that we've had to date. Um, Shelly Porter will be speaking. She's a childhood friend of mine, actually, and, and the story of how God has worked in her life through tragedy and, and what he has shown her and continues to teach her, it's, it's amazing. And so I encourage you, ladies, if you're 18 and up, you haven't signed up yet, there's a QR code right there in your, in your bulletin or your connection card, and you can scan that, and you can sign up. You can go online uh, and, and sign up, and it's no time at all. And then for the rest of you that can't be there, um, Shelly will be sharing the message next Sunday as well. So you'll get a chance to, to hear from her and uh, hear her story. So, but we really look forward to, to next weekend. Um, so we are in this final week of our destination series. It's a three-week series because Shelly's speaking next week. So we're going to let the focus be on, on what it looks like to live in freedom and to walk in love and, and, and through her experiences. But today we're going to wrap up this series on destination, and what we've done is we, we started the first week talking about, and I've said it every week, is that our God is a God of purpose, right? Our God is not haphazard. He is not um, flaky. He's not like, well, we'll just see what happens. Our God is a God of purpose, and he's not, he's not a God of, of chance or, or just, you know, leave it to, let's see how it happens. He is very purposeful, and so if we're followers of God, then that means we should be people of purpose as well, right? I think that kind of makes sense. And this is what this destination series, series is about. So the first week we talked about how, what does it look like? What is God's purpose for us as individuals? What is that? What, what is that purpose? What are we supposed to be about? And then last week we talked about what is God's purpose for humanity, like the fact that we're even created. And, and we realized that that was to praise and glorify him, to glorify his name. And then today, I want us to talk a little more specifically about, about here, about right now, about what is God's purpose for this place, for this church, for this ministry in 2019, and where we are right now. What is God's purpose? What is he up to? What is he about? What does he want us to be a part of? So I want to start by telling you a story about a guy that I went to college with. Um, he was on the men's tennis team, and I was on the women's tennis team, and it was a smaller school. We all kind of knew each other, or we did know each other. Um, I actually knew him before we went to college because he played for a rival school, and um, he was super fine. Like, he looked like Tom Cruise, and if you look like Tom Cruise in the 1980s especially, I mean, all the ladies are going to, like, follow you around. And so we would kind of, you know, we would follow this guy around at tennis tournaments and stuff, so we knew who he was, and then we get to college, and we're all there, and you know, it's like, it's, like I said, it's a smaller school, and he was president of his fraternity, and the sorority I was in, we, we did a lot of socials and stuff together, socials, and, um, you know, he was really popular and known, and kind of the ladies' man, and, and um, you know, we tennis, and, 
you know, all the things that pastors and parents tell you not to do when you go to college, you know, like all tennis and parties and tennis and parties. And it was all, we were all just a big clump of people and, and all these things. And so anyway, one day in towards the, I think it was the end of my sophomore year. I know it was in the spring, uh, sophomore year of college, this like partying, totally like good looking, super fine, fratastic guy does like this complete 180, like just complete 180, total, um, total change overnight. And he was so weird all of a sudden. <laughs> he had become a Christian. I mean, he used to be so fun, right? I, I'm, I'm just saying what y'all think, okay? It's the truth. He used to be so fun and just the party guy, and now he's like, instead of hosting parties, he's hosting Bible studies. And we were just like, what's wrong with you? Like, you're so weird. Quit talking about Jesus. Like, we didn't want to hear, like, it's, he would wear like a cross on his, like, you know, collar or something, and we were like, you're such a dork. Like, why are you doing this? What's wrong with you? We, we thought he had lost his mind. And so, but then, here's what happens. He, so he's this Bible thumper, right? And then, these guys in his fraternity started to act a little different. And suddenly, people started to come to know Christ. And then, like other people, like their friends, and like the, the you know, all these people, like in their sphere of influence, are, started to want to know more about God. And they were asking questions about Jesus, and it was so annoying um, to see all these people that you used to have so much fun with, and now they don't seem to want to have the same kind of fun that you want to have anymore. I wish I could say I was one of those people that was like, Let, tell me more, tell me more. But I was like, you're an idiot, you're an idiot. you know. So that was kind of my, my mindset. Um, so this guy ends up working for a church in Oklahoma, in, in Oklahoma City while he's still in college. And then after college, he goes to seminary. And, um, and he ends up, after seminary, working at, or while in seminary, working at uh, First United Methodist Church of downtown Oklahoma City. And he's leading the singles ministry, and it's just going gangbusters. I mean, everyone's coming. It's like, everyone's coming. They're there. It's just like, God is moving. He's working. Um, uh, and, and he just feels this call to reach people for Christ in a way that no one else was doing at the time, which is why all these people were coming, Right? And so he's going through this process. He's in seminary. He's working at the, the United Methodist Church. And, and then when he's ready to kind of go through the process and get ordained and go through all the, the things, the, the Oklahoma United Methodist Conference, and hey, if you're watching online, um, they decide that he's got he, to go through some more hoops. And he's got to go through some more processes before they will ordain him, before they will let him loose to do this ministry that he feels called to do to take outside of, of what he was doing. So he prays and he prays. And at this point, he's married. So his wife's like, I married Tom Cruise. And um, I don't know. And they pray and pray. And they, they decide to do something, which is just, I mean, I can't imagine what that prayer process must have been like. But they end up leaving this thriving ministry, thriving ministry. They leave OKC first. And they start a church in a two-car garage in 1996. And um, they quickly grow. They quickly outgrow a two-car garage because it's a two-car garage. And um, they, by, so five years later, they end up growing and growing. By 2001, they've got four campuses of their church. 
So they've started a church, and they've got four campuses. And so 23 years later, so because we're in 2019 now, 23 years later, they have 32 campuses of their church in 10 different states of our country. And the name of this church, you may have heard of it, it's called Life Church. And the pastor is a guy named Craig Rochelle. And, uh, and many of you have probably heard of him or watched him or listened to his leadership podcast and stuff like that. But you might not know this. Raise your hand if you have on your phone a, an app that is, it's the Bible app. It's a brown app and it says Holy Bible on it. Raise your hand if you happen to have that on your phone. Okay, Craig and his church developed that app and created it and put it out there for free. And there's like tens of millions of downloads of this app. They make it available so that the word of God could be in anyone's hands at any time in whatever language you want it to be in. This is just one aspect of this ministry that started in a two-car garage back in 1996. Now, here's the whole reason. Now, there's two things I think about when I tell you this story about Craig. And the first one I think is, and I'm just going to be honest with you, my thought is, man, I bet you the United Methodist Church of Oklahoma wishes they hadn't let that guy go. That's my first thought, okay? Because um, they, they just made it hard for him. And he said, I'm, I've got to go. I'm feeling called. i got to go. And it was going to be too hard. So he went in a different direction. And God has blessed that. But the whole reason I actually tell you the story uh, about, about Craig and Life Church is because when I finally became a believer several years later, and I knew that this, this guy that I thought I was a, that was a total weirdo, and now suddenly I think, oh, he's on to something. Okay, oh, wow, this Jesus thing is real. Oh, okay, wow, this is really something I want to know about, right? Um, I started, you know, I would catch up and follow and see what was going on in, in the early days of their church. And there was something that has always resonated with me about, I guess you would call it their philosophy or their motto behind why they do what they do. And I would even say you take it back to why Craig even felt like he was called to do something different than what anyone else was doing at the time. And there's this motto, and, it, and it's, it's pretty shocking. Uh, I think if it's, a, it's a shocking statement, especially if someone expects things to be all prim and proper regarding church, okay? So um, here's, what, here's what Craig says. Here's what Life Church. here's what they say about ministry. I love this. We will do anything short of sin to reach people for Jesus Christ. I'll just let that sink in for a minute. This is what they say. We will do anything short of sin to reach people for Jesus Christ. So if it's not sin, then it's on the table. It is, a, it is an opportunity to be a transmitter of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If it's not sin, then it's there. And listen, for people who are like, no, no, you have to do things a certain and it's got to be and it's got to be just right. This was hard for a lot of people. This is how they've kind of set things in motion. Anything short of sin, as, as long as it's not sin. And I... You might know this about me. You might have figured it out. I love this statement. I love this statement. Anything short of sin. Now, see, even though we've never really officially stated this, it's not printed anywhere in any of our stuff, I believe we, that we have been functioning by this philosophy in Solomon's porch here since we started in 2002. I think this has been there, and whether we knew it or recognized it or not, so, but I'm going to do something. I'm going to make it official today. And I'm going to say, our purpose is to do anything short of sin to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's our purpose. 
That's our purpose. It's, it's not to, to, to do the best program or put on the best show or, or to have the most attendance or to, to bring in the most money or to have the biggest disciple now or anything like that. It is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if that's really our purpose, then, then I love this motto, this, this, this philosophy that, that is used here that we'll do anything. We will do anything. Here's what I mean by that. And I think, let me give you some examples of, of what we're already doing, which I think fall into this. Um, several years ago, we decided, okay, wow, you know, um, the Sunday after Easter is such a, a low kind of unattended kind of a, hey, whatever, Sunday, like, ah, you know, we just had a big Sunday. We'll just, we said, no, 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 we're going to do something different. We're going to make this a family fun worship day. Well, doesn't that sound fun? Doesn't that sound exciting? Some people had a problem with us doing a family fun worship day. But you know what? I think it's fantastic. It's one of our highest attended Sundays now because we make that day be just a great day for kids and families and we have fun and sometimes we go outside and we rent a giant stage and we do stuff like that out there and we are silly and we're a little bit crazy all while we lift up the name of the risen Christ. Anything short of sin to reach people with the gospel of Jesus. I love that. Anything short of sin. We talk about the movies found, uh, the movies. We talk about the gospel found in movies all summer long, even though some people think that's kind of sacrilegious. How dare you show movies in the church? Well, we don't show the whole movie. We show some clips. But my goodness, this is what Jesus did all the time. He told stories. So we're gonna do that. Why? Because anything short of sin, we're gonna do anything short of sin to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, we will, hold on, we will wear jeans. I know, I know, I know it could be blasphemy to some, but I'm telling you, it's okay. I think if Jesus were to show up today, he'd have on like a pair of 501s, I'm just saying. If you don't know what 501s are, you can Google it later or ask anyone over the age of 40. Um, we'll talk about things that no one else We'll talk about why, because we will do anything short of sin. Now, that doesn't mean we'll be like, you know, crazy and outlandish just because, but you know what one of the most, the most uh, impactful messages of 2018 was here? Was when we talked seriously and lovingly about mental illness. That doesn't get talked about a lot. I'm not saying we're the only ones to talk about it, but I'm just saying we're not gonna shy away from tough things and tough conversations. Why? Because we're gonna do anything short of sin to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people. This is what we're gonna do. This is how we're gonna do it. Um, you know what? Um, our student pastors are gonna continue to do what some people might think is a waste of time. And here's, here's what it is. They block off a couple of hours several days a week to go and sit in cafeterias in the schools in our community. Students, is that a waste of time to you? No. It's really not. Justin, Emily, don't feel bad if you couldn't hear them. I saw their heads moving a lot. It's not a waste of time. I mean, I love the fact, if you ever, Emily, Justin, if you ever have to choose between sitting at a desk or sitting in a cafeteria, cafeteria every time. Spend, be present in the lives of students and let them know that they are important that their lives are important and everything that's going on in their life that you are concerned about and you care about them. Why? Because we want them to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want them to know Jesus. We're gonna spend time with them even if it doesn't seem like, well, well, how many hours did you clock? How many hours did you get in? You know what we'll do? Oh, I, I'm afraid to say this one. 
But you know what we might do again is we might give away seven more cars because we did that one time. People are like, what Sunday was that? Where was I? <laughs> We've done it. And I've taken flack for that. But we'll do anything short of sin to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people. We will be host absolutely amazing, super fun, crazy, over-the-top Disciple Now weekends so that students in our, in our community will know Jesus Christ. They will know they are loved. And we will do stuff that doesn't seem like it's, it's not inappropriate. I'm, I'm not saying it's that, but I'm just saying we will have a good time lifting up the name of Jesus. Why? Because we'll do anything short of sin to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We will. So not only will we do anything short of sin, but I, I want to say this, um, in order to reach people for Jesus Christ, but we will stop doing some stuff, or maybe I should say we will never start doing some things, and I want to share what a couple of those are. We will never start doing things that will push people away or make the message of Christ less impactful. And, and what I mean by that is th this, we are not going to be irrelevant to our community. We're not. If I ever stand up here on a Sunday, and, I'm not, and I know I don't knock them out of the park all the time, or rarely, I don't know. But I mean, if I ever get up here, and, and something I said did not jive with Scripture, or if something I said did not make sense, or if something I said did not make you go, wow, that's something I really need to check out. Or if I said something, you're like, that was totally, like, why did she even get up there? Why is she even talking? It's not even making a difference. If that ever happens, folks, you tell me, and I will leave. Because whoever's up here talking with a microphone and sharing the gospel needs to be relevant to you and to speak truth into your life because of Jesus Christ. We will not be irrelevant. We will not. We're not going to do it. We're not going to do church as usual. We're not. We've had enough church as usual. There's plenty of churches doing church as usual. We're not going to do it. If that's not okay with you, that's fine. Like I said, there's a lot of churches doing church as usual. Welcome or goodbye. I don't know how you say that. I don't know. Welcome there, goodbye here, whatever. You know what we are going to do? We're going to question and push back every single time someone says, oh, well, we can't do it that way because that's not the way we've always done it. Every time. Every time. Why? I'm going to, I'm going to start sounding like, you know, the three-year-old. Why? 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 We want to, we're going to push back against that. Why can we not? Why should we not? Tell me why. Because, because you've never done it before is not a good answer. We're not going to settle for subpar ministries. We're not. We're not going to settle for subpar worship experiences. Um, you are not going to settle for a subpar pastor. Okay? It's not going to happen. So I'm going to do my part to continue to grow. Be a better pastor. Be a better teacher. Be a better leader. We'll strive for improvement. We'll strive for excellence. Remember the question, what is our purpose as a church in 2019? We will not sit back and do nothing while we have space issues. Okay, we got a little room today. It's, it's Martin Luther King weekend. We've got a lot of girls and adults on our, on our uh, Christmas walk right now. But we have space issues. And, and we're not gonna sit back and go, well, I, I, hope, I hope God, like, you know, makes the building grow. You know, maybe he'll put some like Jesus dust over it and next week it'll expand like we gotta do something folks we gotta do something this is great we're growing God is bringing people 
We got to do something about this. So we're going to. Um, we will search and say, God, what is your next step for us? What are we called to do as a church? Where do you want us to go? How can we reach people for Jesus Christ in 2019? And we'll do anything short of sin to do it. So here's what I believe that we're called to do. Uh, I want to share with you out of Mark chapter 2. And I want to share with you two things. That, that as your pastor, I believe that we are, we are called to do as a church going into 2019. And these are kind of like, well, duh, but I want to say them anyway, because I think they're worth hearing. <clears throat> the first one is this. As followers of Jesus, we will care for those who are in a place of hurt or need in their lives. Mark chapter 2, verses uh, 1 through 5 explains this to us. But, but listen, as followers of Jesus, we will care for those who are in a place of hurt or need in their lives. And you kind of go, well, of course you do. But think about that for a minute. What is, see, if we're saying as a church, we'll do anything short of sin to reach people with the gospel of Jesus. Well, what that means is we need to be present in people's lives. We need to be present in people's lives. And in these people's lives are going to be people who are hurt. They're going to be people who are, who are in a place of need. And this is what we find in Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 5 today. It's kind of our, it is our, our main verse for, for this morning. <clears throat> After a few days, Jesus returned to Capernaum, and word got out around that he was back home. I'm reading to you from the message on purpose, because I want it to be maybe fresh for those of you that know this story. So word got out, and he was back home. <clears throat> a crowd gathered, jamming the entrance so no one could get in or out, okay? So it was very crowded. No one could get in the house. No one could get out of the house. Jesus is in there teaching. He was teaching the word. They brought a paraplegic to him, carried by four men. When they weren't able to get in because of the crowd, they removed part of the roof and lowered the paraplegic on his stretcher. Impressed by their bold belief, Jesus said to the paraplegic, Son, I forgive your sins. Now, here's the deal. So Jesus is there teaching. People are there. They're coming. They're like, wow, we've heard about this Jesus, or we know who Jesus is. We're glad he's back. Let's go see him. Let's go hear him. And there is a man who is unable to get to Jesus on his own. Okay, this is what I'm saying. We want to be people who care for those who are in need, who need help. Here is a person who is unable to get to Jesus on his own. And what do these four guys do? You know what they don't do? Is they don't say, hey, we heard Jesus is in a house at Capernaum. You ought to get an Uber and go and find out what that's about. They don't do that. These four guys said, we will take you to Jesus. We're going to take you. They had to have carried him. We don't know how far, we don't know how long it took, but they chose to carry this guy to Jesus because he needed to see Jesus. He needed to be touched by Jesus. He needed to hear from Jesus. And so they took him. We're gonna get you there. We're gonna carry you. We're gonna walk with you. We're gonna make sure you get to Jesus. So as a church in 2019, our purpose is to walk alongside of people who need help, who walk alongside people who are in need and say, we're going to be with you. We're going to walk alongside of you. And I don't know exactly what that looks like for you. I don't know what that looks like in the context of, of, of your day-to-day -day life, but I, I'm, I'm pretty sure about this. If you were to open your eyes and say, God, help me to see people 
who need you. God, help me to see people who are, are in need of your help, who need to know you, who need to have a touch from you, who need to know that you are real and that you love them. God, will you show me those people? I firmly believe you will start to see those people. And you'll see those people at work tomorrow, like the person that is always miserable and you're wondering what's wrong with them to the point you don't even want to be around them until you realize that their life is in a shambles because you see them now and you want to walk alongside of them. You're going to see some people who, who need to, to hear. They just need to know that someone is hearing them, someone they can talk to, someone that they can, that they can express all, the, all that's going on in their lives. You're going to see people who just need help on the side of the road like literal help on the side of the road. You know, you're gonna see people and, 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 and one of the things that we're called to do as the church is we are going to care and do our part for people and help them get to Jesus, just like these four guys did in Mark chapter two. You need Jesus, we're gonna get you there. We can't do for you what Jesus can do for you, so we are gonna do our part to get you to Jesus. This is what they said they would do. This is what they did. So I said there's two things out of Mark 2 I want to share with you about our purpose, what we're going to do. And the second part is my favorite. And some of you will really like it, and others of you, this will make you squirm a little bit. But so not only do we need to, to be present and see people and walk alongside people who need help and be with them, but we're also going to have to know this. God's going to give us permission to break some rules. See, some of you are like, yeah, break rules, because you're like a rebel, you know, and others you're like, oh, no, we can't break rules. No, no, rules are good. Um, God's going to give you permission to break some rules, and here's why I say this with, with, with just such confidence. If you go and, and read the account of Jesus as he did his ministry, he broke rules all the time. He didn't break God's rules. He broke man's rules. He broke rules that somebody else wrote. He broke rules that didn't matter. He broke rules that, that didn't make... He, he broke social rules. He broke rules that weren't acceptable to a lot of people. He broke cultural rules. He did it all the time. So when I say that God's going to give you permission to break rules, I mean he's going to give you permission to break rules that don't matter. You know? I, I like to break rules. I've, I've never liked rules unless I'm the one that wrote the rules. So, and, and some of you get that too. But if you look in this passage in Mark chapter 2, you see these four guys do something that if someone did this to your house, you would not like. If you had a house full of people and Jesus was there and no one could get in, well, these guys did what, what's not really considered to be acceptable. They pulled back the roof. Now, it was a thatched roof. It was, it was made from materials, not like the kind of roof you and I have today. But they pulled back the roof. They didn't ask the homeowner, can we pull back your roof? They didn't, they didn't get some permits, pull permits from the city to pull back the roof. They just pulled back the roof. They had a friend who needed Jesus, and they were committed to be with him and walk alongside of him and help him get to Jesus. And when there was an obstacle... When there was a barrier, when there was something in front of them that said, no, there's no way, you can't go through the door to get to Jesus, then they said, you know what then? We won't use the door. We'll go through the roof. And they pulled the roof back. You don't do this to someone's roof, but, but they did. This is what they did. They broke these rules. Nobody does that, but these guys did it. 
They pulled the roof back. They did what they had to do to get their friend to Jesus. And what this passage tells me is that there are gonna be times, and there have been and there will be times, when the only way to get to where Jesus is is to break some rules. The only way to get where Jesus wants you to be, the only way to get to where Jesus wants you to bring somebody is to do things a little bit differently. And it might not make sense to some other people. To, to burst through to, to those, those, you know, the, I mean, look at them. They said, okay, walls aren't gonna hold us. A roof isn't gonna hold us. The door's not gonna hold us. We're gonna find a way. And they found a way. There's, there's aspects in our life, folks, as followers of Jesus, our purpose for 2019 is for us to go, you know what? What are some preconceived, what are some widely accepted barriers, like doors and ceilings and walls and roofs and traditions and rituals and things that might actually be in the way of us getting to Jesus? Like, this is the way we've always done it, thinking. We need to bust through any of that kind of stuff to get to Jesus on the other side. This is what we need to do. If you're a, a note taker or a social media poster, here's a good one for you. Sometimes we need to break man-made rules for God-sized results. Sometimes we need to break man-made rules for God-sized results. I believe that Jesus encourages us to do this. Again, I just say, go back to the Gospels and read the numerous accounts when the religious people did not like what Jesus did because he broke their rules. Over and over and over again, the religious leader said, well, we don't like that. You can't do that. You can't walk that far. You can't heal on that day. You can't eat with that person. You can't talk with that person. How dare you drink with that person? I, I can't, you don't even bathe properly. What's wrong with you? Consistently, he broke man-made rules. Why? Because he was intent as Jesus to get to people and not allow barriers to be in the way over and over and over again. Look at, again at Mark chapter two, verses six and seven. After Jesus had this conversation, so the guys lower Jesus down, or the, excuse me, the guys lower Jesus, the man down to Jesus, and Jesus says, your sins are forgiven, and he heals the man. Well, this is what we find in verse six. Some religion scholars sitting there started whispering among themselves. He can't talk that way. That's blasphemy. God and only God can forgive sins. Who is this Jesus? He can't do that. I mean, so I, I share that to say this just to be very clear. People who are only concerned with prim and proper and acceptable and repeatable and tame expressions of faith are not going to get it when you say, you know what? I'm gonna break these man-made rules because I'm gonna honor Jesus because I wanna get this person to Jesus. I wanna help this person see Jesus. I am following after Jesus, so I'm not gonna let a roof be in my way. I am going after Jesus, so I'm not gonna let the fact that, that, that all these obstacles are before me stop that. We see it over and over and over again. People concerned about appearances and opinions and what was socially acceptable and proper 2,000 years ago didn't get Jesus doing what he did, so don't expect people to get you today. That's what I'm saying. If they didn't get it with Jesus, they're not gonna get it with you. And that's okay. That's okay. Why? Because we will do anything short of sin to share the gospel with people. That's what's important, not whether you approve of me. 
not whether somebody else finds it to be acceptable ways of doing ministry. No, no, we'll do anything short of, Jesus, short of sin to get people to know Jesus. We'll do it. This is our goal as a church. Here, here's the key, I think. To reach people that no one's reaching. And I love this. This is something that Craig's church says as well. To reach people no one's reaching, we're going to do things that no one's doing. That doesn't mean that we're going to, you know, be the, the, the best and the flashiest and the newest. That just means we're not going to look around and go, well, no one else is doing it, so I guess we won't either. No, 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 no. We'll say, God, what is it you want us to do? Oh, no one else happens to be doing it? Oh, well, we will anyway. We will, to reach people no one's reaching, we're going to do things that no one else is doing. So we'll have a family fun worship day, and we'll blow the place out for D-Now, Right? We'll do these things. We're, we're going to do some things that maybe normal churches don't do. We're going to do them all the time where it becomes the norm for us. And so I believe with, with all my heart this, and, and, I, and I hope you believe it too, that, that the church should be the most creative and the most innovative organization around. And sadly, it's not. Because I think we let barriers and what's considered to be okay to do ministry, is, it gets in that way. In 2019, let's be a church that loves people who don't know Jesus yet. How about that? Let's be a church that loves people who do not yet know Jesus Christ. And let them be the priority instead of us. In 2019, let's be a church full of people who will bear the burdens, walk alongside of someone else who needs to get to Jesus. Their needs before ours. In 2019, let's be a church that will break some rules and cut through some religious mess in order to help get people to Jesus. Let's do it. Because I believe with all my heart that our purpose as the porch is to reach people that no one's reaching, so we will do things that no one else is doing, and we're gonna be willing to do anything short of sin to help people understand and know Jesus Christ. That's who we are. That's our purpose. And so I say this with, with all sincerity, and I don't say it to, to force you to respond in any way, but, I, but, well, yeah, I'm not forcing you. I'm offering it. If you're committed to this purpose, if you're committed to this purpose as a follower of Jesus, as someone who is a part of this church, if you're ready to be intentional this year about your purpose as, as the church, then would you stand to your feet as we pray together?